step right up, it's nailed. A halo by halo journey through the music of Nine Inch Nails. I'm Blake. I'm Jessica. And tonight we're doing Halo 18, the hand. That feeds. That's right. The lead single from. Oh, with the Tifa? That's going to, that joke's going to get old real fast. Okay, sorry. The lead single from. 20 year old joke. With underscore teeth. Mm. Yeah, you got to have it styled correctly. Stylize it right or else. I forgot the brackets. Shit. Okay, do it again. Open bracket. Open bracket with, with underscore, underscore teeth. teeth close close bracket. bracket. Ah, shit. I forgot to make them capital. <sighs> do it again. No, no time. We need to. <laughs> okay. We need to truck on here. Well, I figured since there's no nine inch news, we can make okay, sure we so get this right. No nine inch news. Trent Reznor is in a dormant stage. He's in a holding pattern. Nothing from him. Mm-hmm. We talked. We talked about the turtles. We probably won't have news until like the new David Fincher or the other guy <laughs> that makes movies. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that other dude. There's going to be a movie with Zendaya. That's my Nine Inch News. It has sex in it and tennis. My two favorite things. As I said on social media, I I like tennis now. Based on, (laughs) just based on the trailer. Is it called The Challengers? I think so. Challenger or Challengers? Challenger? Yeah. Trent can't go. There's no promotion for these things. There's Mm -hmm. no red carpet for Ninja Turtles because of the strikes. And Trent is no scab. I mean, I don't think Trent is in those unions, but there just is not, there aren't premieres anymore. So there'd be no point in Trent and Atticus showing up. They'd and be the only ones out there. Look, Trent is of the people. He's going to support the Trent worker. Trent is for the people. Mm-hmm. As the hand that feeds will show us, Trent is for the people. That's right. Do you want to dive into this? Yes, let's please do it. Do you want to get going? It. The hand that feeds. Here we go. Halo 18. Okay. Released March 28th, 2005. I remember it well. Can I tell you how I first heard it? It was a cool 2005 spring. I was failing out of college. Well, we don't need the whole backstory, but it was a slow downloading radio leak. I heard a somebody ripped a leak. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> that sounds like Ripped a, ba- a <laughs> bathroom incident. <laughs> Somebody put a leak up online. A certain radio station played it too early. And I know you researched that and we'll talk about it. But that's where I heard it. And the quality was pretty dog shit. But I didn't care. I was like, wow, new Nine Inch Nails. It's been, uh, I guess, since still, <laughs> since I've heard anything new. Had no clue what to expect. Didn't expect this, uh, but I liked it. I didn't hear the ripped leak. I uh, I think I just saw the video at some point on MTV. Oh, pretty pretty exciting. I didn't see it on MTV at all. It's weird that they'd even play it. It was uh, popular. Yeah, it was, I mean, I heard lots of radio airplay, uh, but I wasn't. I just wasn't watching MTV. I did see it online though, because of course they uploaded it. This was before the YouTubes, but mm-hmm. we had QuickTime movies or whatever. QuickTime? 
I remember going to a QuickTime site and watching like movie trailers. Yeah, I think it was, it was like Apple.com. <laughs> it was Apple. Trent, like, exactly. Yeah, everybody did that. Yeah. Trent loved QuickTime because he's an Apple loyalist. Mm. So it wasn't just me that would sit around high on a Saturday morning and just watch movie trailers? No, we all did it because Apple had them all. Yeah. It was so great. <laughs> I love movie trailers. This is what old people did before YouTube. <laughs> Quick we had time. nothing better to do. And the first YouTube video that went viral was like the monkey like who put its hand on its butt and oh. then sniffed its hand and fell off the tree or something. Totally I can't staged. remember. <laughs> it was very Faked. staged. Actually, uh, I think the first real big viral video was the Janet Jackson nipplegate thing. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that's what, what really put YouTube on right. the map. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, not to get into that. Sorry. So the hand that feeds. Hand that feeds. I'll just go through the credits real quick. Uh, writing and performance, Trent Reznor. Production, Reznor. And a returning fave, Mulder, Alan Mulder. Programming, Atticus Ross. The and, Ross Man. That's right. And the mix by Alan Mulder. Um, there are a zillion different formats for this single. I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, there's so many. There's too many. There's too Let's many. Just say it. And it, I'm just going to say it kind of annoys me a little bit because we don't need them all. Well, it's not that necessarily. It's just it just kind of sucks to be a collector of your favorite band and have to get like if you're a completionist, things like many of us are. Yeah, there's too many things, and there's a, a like a promo mm-hmm. CD that. It is nearly impossible to have, and it may or may not have something that's impossible to hear. <laughs> so there's like a limited edition version. Uh, it was a digipack, and this, I believe, is the version that if you're listening to the Halo on Spotify, this is what you'll hear. It has the Hand That Feeds album version, Hand That Feeds straight mix. It's basically the Fotec mixes. Mm-hmm. It's got straight mix and dub mix, and also the video. Obviously, that's not on Spotify, but the straight and dub mix are by Fotec. And one of them, the straight mix, is also on. Every day is exactly the same, Halo 21. That's also kind of a thing that frustrates me is a lot of these overlap Halos. So, if, again, if you're a big collector, you're going to have a lot of the same stuff. Well, we have some – it happened a little bit in the pretty hate machine era. Mm-hmm. There was some – well. I don't think it did in pretty hate machine. You're thinking of maybe um, the fragile era. Okay, you're yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't thinking of that, but what I was thinking of was, I guess there's some in um, downward spiral too, TDS era. There's like versions of terrible lie on, on head like a hole, and versions of down in it. Or, yeah, but there weren't nine different versions were, of one Halo that you had to collect. Right, there was just nine version, nine different remixes of the same <laughs> song, and they were all. Only mildly interesting. <laughs> yeah. So there's a DVD single that was in the UK that also had the video um, and the Fotex straight mix. There was a nine-inch vinyl. That's the one that we have, and it's our first nine-inch nails, nine-inch vinyl. Yay. We have it here as a visual aid for the podcast. That's right. The you can't see it, but I have it right here in my hand. The full nine inches. Yay. That's my <laughs> title for the podcast. <laughs> that I ixnade. And aren't you glad I did? We have a made in England UK version of it. That's, that's right. I think is. that's the only version there is for this. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a UK version. We had the pleasure of unshrink wrapping it too. That's right. And it has the dub version or the dub mix by Fotec on it. Um, there's a 10 inch picture vinyl. This is a US only release and it has the hand that feeds and then it has home. 
Yeah, that's the most interesting thing on any of these, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, and Home, we're not going to talk about that until later because it's on the vinyl version of With Teeth. Why'd they have to waste it on the picture disc? <laughs> I don't know. The thing that, yeah. Yeah. Then the U.S. had some, basically had the the remix vinyls. There's a 12-inch vinyl Fotec remixes. It has straight, rough, and then dub instrumental. And that is also on the Japanese version of Every Day is, is Exactly the Same. Hmm. And then there's the 12-inch vinyl DFA remixes. That's a U.S. version again. And it has the DFA remix, which is also on Every Day is Exactly the Same. Also, on one of the mini versions of Halo 20, which is only, it has the hand that dubs, which is DFA instrumental, and then the hand that dubs DFA version 1. Another thing, let me tell you something. I Don't wish call that, it version 1. <laughs> I wish that remixes just had better titles, because I get them confused, and I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not going to get this perfect. Um, there was also, if you wanted a version that has home on it that was not a picture disc, there was a 7-inch vinyl, normal 7-inch, so... That was a U.S. promo that was given out at With Teeth listening parties oh in the U.S. God. that had the B-side was home, but it had a misprint on it. So instead of the ends in Nine Inch Nails, they're like uh, little triangles. What? It's weird. You can look I it up on Discogs. I looked at it. How rare and expensive is this? I don't even think there are any copies on sale on Discogs. Oh, I, I would doubt it. it. Why was I not at any of these listening parties? Because you live in Springfield, Missouri. Obviously, I would have had to drive a thousand miles. Yeah. Um, But that would be a cool thing to have gotten. Yeah, totally. So if anyone has that, let us know. Well, you certainly, was that, are there more? (laughs) Oh, those are just the ones I wanted to talk about. There probably are more. You did your research on that. That's as confusing as like the we're in this together, different versions, but like way worse. It's very confusing. Instead of and I three, probably still messed it up. Yeah, instead of three discs, it's seven different things, and some are vinyl, some are DVD hybrids, some are CDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a nightmare. But if you like all that, if you're one of those freaks, mm-hmm. I won't name names, who likes all the different kind, uh, having all the different versions, then this is a dream for you not a nightmare Mm -hmm. what's funny is we have the fotec version of the 12 inch and we still haven't opened it by the way uh oh wait no wait i said fotec didn't i yeah i'm sorry we have the dfa right we still haven't opened it Dfa 12 inch still sealed and earlier tonight i was telling blake i was like oh we have the fotec version at home and blake went through our records and he was like no jessica you ordered the dfa version i was like oh shit no damn it so I can't even get right what we own, if that tells you it's anything. It's so confusing. We don't even know what we have. I have no idea. Um, yeah, so it has the, the Fotex. <laughs> Fuck this. Fuck this whole single. You can take this song back. I don't care. Um, no, it doesn't. It's not Fotex. It has the DFA uh, several versions, but you know what it doesn't have? It doesn't have the album version. Oh, it doesn't? I don't think oh, so. Yeah, right. Hold on, but let me it, double check. No, it's just um it's just DFA remixes only. And by only, I don't mean the song only. I mean it's only DFA remixes, no album cut. But what it doesn't have is the elusive DFA remix so called version two, Roman numeral two. Is it the hand that no, dubs the hand version that dubs two? DFA version two, okay. whatever the hell it's called, mm-hmm. which may or may not exist. 
which I could only find on a promo CD um, on Discogs for a million dollars or whatever. And it's like it's like 13 minutes, whereas version one is 14. So I don't know if it's significantly different in any way or not. The DFA versions are, what I've heard so far, are very similar to each other. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, to me, a bit boring. <laughs> if you want, you can just listen to LCD Sound System and yeah. get the same... Right. Same vibes. And LCD was a thing that I enjoyed when it was new and stuff. And We can talk about that when we okay. talk about okay. the remix. Well, you we'll said come back you to dropped it. his name. We'll, we'll get back to it. Um, so just to keep us on track a little bit, The Hand That Feeds began playing first on Nine Inch Nails' MySpace page before radio release. And that made me write in my notes of MySpace. OMG. Blake, who was your top eight? Quick. I don't fucking know. I know. Tom? <laughs> I think I left Tom as my number one just because I didn't want to pick between my friends and make them feel bad. Tom, the person I was dating, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I didn't I, have a boyfriend. If I was dating at the time, which was on and off. I didn't have a boyfriend in the MySpace era, but you know what? I did get, got a lot of uh, D shots in my inbox. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did that just happen? It was the first time I ever got... <laughs> You Unsolicited said, D shots. We don't need to talk about that. About the D shots? Yeah. Yeah, it was a dark um, time in my life. The only D we need to talk about is D hand that feeds. <laughs> or DFA. V. Or D's nuts. Yeah. Do you what what came first, do you think? The the leak or the MySpace? Because if it if they had it on See, I, I don't know how much of it was on MySpace. I would have heard it first. On MySpace, I feel like, but I heard it first on that shitty quality leak. Yeah, but I was also one of those people who didn't use MySpace to follow bands. I just was friends with my friends, so I don't even think I thought of that. I can't. I don't remember Nine Inch Nails MySpace. Maybe I was so dumb that I wasn't following them, or maybe I wasn't even. No, I was on there. I'm pretty sure I was on there. I don't know the date specifically. Apparently, the leaks were in February 2005, along with Getting Smaller and The Line Begins to Blur. All three leaked. Oh, okay. I do remember downloading those. Yeah. Did they? Do you remember if they sounded like the album versions? Like, were they finished? They were. They were. Yeah. What I'm thinking of when I say a radio station played it too early, mm-hmm. this was pre that. Oh, like pre February. I'm not going to be able to remember a date. Okay. Because it was so long ago, but. And maybe my timeline is off because of, you know, how how bad memory works after that long. Mm -hmm. But I remember shitty radio leak that somebody uploaded before these like full resolution uh, downloads of like line begins to blur. Ah, okay. Well, the official radio airplay began on March 14th. So what was do you remember the radio station was it like one of the big ones like kroq in la or possibly but i it seems like they would have their shit together though i feel like it would have been like a shitty probably some like twin cities probably like springfield mo no it wasn't okay uh it could have been anything okay so when i was reading through like ni and wiki they said it was released for sale on itunes and napster on march 22nd remember when they tried to make what kind of dork would buy music on napster Totally defeats the purpose. And then in April, 
there was a link to multi-track GarageBand files that were posted on NIN.com. So anyone with GarageBand could remix the song. And that's why I have all the great clips that I have today Mm -hmm. because of those GarageBand files. That's right. Do you want to talk about charts? Let's talk about charts. Yeah. Every time there's a halo that charts, I want to talk about the charts. It also Mm. gives us a glimpse into the culture Mm -hmm. of the time. Not all halos are going to (laughs) chart. No, not all of them. So it debuted on April 9th of 2005 on the Billboard Hot 100. It peaked at number 31 and spent 20 weeks on the chart. So I just want to talk about the top 10 tracks in America at the time, according to Billboard. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm viscerally aware of what all is out there. I was going to make this a game with you, but I realized you would never get any of these. Would I not? No. I know, I'm pretty sure I know these songs. I just wouldn't be able to. I know to... a couple of them. I don't know all of them. Okay, I'll but t- I was I'll tell you like, which ones yeah, I know. Trent Reznor was right. This was a bleak era, at least in mainstream <laughs> pop. We may disagree on some points of this. But... Some. Some of it was good. I'm yeah. not going to say all of it was bad, but there were. Two rappers who really dominated the game at the time, which I was, I mean, I was aware of it, but I don't think I realized the extent to which they dominated the, the yeah. charts at the time. Okay. Should I go from 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? Should I? 10 to 1. You want to do it? Okay. 10. Gwen Stefani featuring Eve, Rich Girl. I'm just going to say it now. That song bangs. I liked Gwen Stefani's solo Fiddler album. I love Fiddler on the Roof. It's a great movie. It's a great song. Fiddler on the Roof was one of my grandma's three favorite movies, along with Fargo and Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. She had them all on VHS. Strange, strange taste. Did she like Rich Girl? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I ever played it for her. I should have. Yeah, I should have. Number nine, The Game featuring 50 Cent, How We Do. I don't know that song. Is it, uh, this is how we do. <laughs> are you trying to sing Montel Jordan? <laughs> What are you no, doing? No, that's This Is How We Do It. Yeah, I didn't know. I don't know no, this song. This Is How We Do It. Well, yeah, that's a banger. Everyone um, knows that song. I'm probably, that's probably like a fake Mandela memory that I just did. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. Eight, Usher, Caught Up. Oh, Caught Up. Caught Up. Caught Up. The only lyric I know is Caught Up. I don't know that song, but I know Yeah. You know Caught Up. No. It was everywhere. I know, yeah. <laughs> that was the same album, yeah. right? Probably. I think so. Uh, seven, Mario, Let Me Love You. I don't know that song. Mario? Like Mario and Luigi? Yes, like Mario okay. and Luigi. Who could forget that ballad? Okay, six, 50 Cent, Disco Inferno. What? D- don't don't remember that By the way, that's the second time that 50 Cent appeared. I remember Into Club. Okay. I know Into Club. Yeah, totally. Five, Green Day, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah, that was that was on the radio every three yeah. seconds. Not my favorite song on that album on American Idiot. I got really tired of that song. I mean, the, I know a lot of people love American Idiot, but I just got tired of it. I loved Holiday. That was my favorite. Yeah. That was a banger. Right. Okay, four, Frankie J featuring Baby Bash, Obsession. I don't know that don't, song. Don't know that. Uh, the Game is going to make another appearance here. The Game... Featuring 50 Cent again, Hate It or Love It. Don't know too, that song. Too much the game. Two, Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone. <laughs> well. 
the best song on this. <laughs> well, other than Rich Girl, <laughs> maybe yeah, my favorite song good, on here. That was a good song. Uh, and then number one is 50 Cent featuring Olivia Candy Shop. I know Candy Shop. Okay, yeah, Candy Shop is a mm-hmm. classic. I guess. I never was a big 50 Cent fan. No, neither was I. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently I'm not a fan of the game either because I don't know any of Where these songs. Where was the hand that feeds in there? Oh, well, that, those are just the chart toppers. Hand that feeds at that time was at number 31. Okay, so yeah. a little bit further down. Mm-hmm. I just want to say notable track, uh, The Killer's Mr. Brightside was 16 at the time. I, did it take a little longer to blow up bigger or was it on its way down? It might have been because this was April and I feel like that song came out in the winter. Yeah, it might have been on its way so down. So it might have been, I think it was just kind of steady as it goes right there. Like I yeah. don't think it had gone up or down. I think the little chart position, it had been there for a while. Now this was the only Nine Inch Nails single to reach the top 10 of the UK singles chart. Crazy. It reached number two on mainstream rock airplay in the United States. And it also crossed over to the pop charts, top 100, the first single to do so since Closer and Hurt. Hmm. So, awards and accolades, just real quick. In 2009, Pitchfork released their top 500 songs of the aughts and placed The Hand That Feeds at number 406. I couldn't find the list because every link I had just took me to like a dead... (laughs) Page. Wait, say that again. What was the pitchfork? Sorry. Oh, sorry. It was the uh, top 500 songs of the aughts. Did I say 90s? Did no, I, mess I just, oh, I was okay. spacing out. I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. This time I do want to play a game. Are you ready? Grammy's game? Mm-hmm. Hold on one second. Let me check something. Can I, okay, before you go to Grammy's mm-hmm. and you're checking something, mm-hmm. this, I'm pretty certain, is the Nine Inch Nails song I've heard on the radio the most. I reached number two on Probably mainstream rock airplay. Just as far as repetitions on the radio mm-hmm. that I actually heard, this has got to be it. I heard plenty of Head Like a Hole and Closer, but I I didn't catch them when they were new. <laughs> this was on constant rotation on the alt rock station here. And it was every few hours for a while. I don't remember how long. <laughs> but this one got a lot of airplay and I highly doubt they've had anything. There's no way they've had anything since then that got as much airplay. Um, of course the other singles from this album also got a lot of airplay, but mm-hmm. after this album, for forget, me, honestly, it. cause I probably, cause I listened to the radio a lot during this time. It was closer, but mm. anyway, um, I was definitely not listening to mainstream rock radio in 2000. Okay, yeah, we get it. You're too cool. I was very cool. (laughs) Never owned a TV. You're cool. That is not true because I saw the video. Okay, I'm going to read the nominees. I want you to tell me who you think won the best hard rock performance Grammy in 2006. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, here are the nominees. Mm -hmm. Audio Slave, Doesn't Remind Me, Chris Cornell, Part of Me. (laughs) Just kidding, that wasn't on there. Uh, I was about to flip my lid. Okay, I mean, sorry. that was several years later. Yeah. Okay. Audio Slave, Doesn't Remind Me, Nine Inch Nails, The Hand That Feeds, Robert Plant, Tin Pan Valley, <sighs> System of a Down, BYOB. Oh, that was a dope song. And Queens of the Stone Age, Little Sister. That's what one? Probably fucking Robert Plant. Actually, it was System of a Down, BYOB. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm, but A good song one instead of a fossil. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say it. I've never been a Led Zeppelin fan. Sorry. I like Led Zeppelin. I don't give a shit about Robert Plant solo. 
I call him a fossil, but I'm 58-year-old Trent Reznor enjoyer over here. It's just different generations, man. Some people still still got it. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So, real quick before we get too much further into this halo, I just want to say a few words about the artwork yes. for The Hand That Feeds. And by that, I'm not talking about any promo versions. But most of the, well, not most, <laughs> but the, the DFA one we're looking at is just a black sleeve with yeah. a sticker. I mean, that's usually what the promos are. Okay. Okay. Good point. So, do you want to take it out and you can She's look at it? She's doing show and tell. Like, well, no, I want you to look at it and tell me if it reminds you of any other famous album artwork. Uh, I already know the spoiler. Ah, uh, okay. But well, it's pretty obvious you if you look it? at it, especially It'll, if you turn it over and look at the back. The hand that feeds, you know, regular Halo 18 art is, it looks like computer graphic printout of some white glowy lines mm-hmm. that have like curves and humps. So what's it remind you of? It reminds me of that T-shirt that mm-hmm. I think is for the Cure, and it says like Depeche Violator mode, at the boys bottom. Boys don't cry. <laughs> yes, that's the album. It's the album. So it's Joy Division. Yes, as I'm going to read you what Rob Sheridan wrote on his Instagram about this. He said he actually had a picture of the uncropped cover of the Hand That Feeds. He said it was created with damage scanner glitching techniques and hand-drawn digital pixel line work. The digital lines that ran throughout the with teeth aesthetic were inspired by low-res scientific graphs and data imagery. But for this piece, I took them in a topographical direction very much inspired by Joy Division's iconic Unknown Pleasures album cover. I like topographical. It's a cool word. There were a couple of other alternate covers that he shared at the time, and there was a red version that was later reused, or sorry, not reused, repurposed Mm -hmm. for the Halo 20 promo artwork. It also has, well, it says Nine Inch Nails, and those words have underscores between them, and the hand that feeds, and that's all in kind of a pixel glitchy, it's all very Sheridan. But that pixel glitchy style that like the NIN logo appears in. Mm -hmm. Then on the back we have the track list is in kind of that system type font that's very low, low res, uh, all pixely, if you'd believe that. And it says like 001 and 002 and has an underscore, lots of underscoring going on. Underscores were big in 2005. Underscores were all the rage. They were very much the rage. I put as many underscores as I could in all my file names. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You had to in those days. So I want to talk about The Hand That Feeds, just what this song means. It might be the first pointed political song. I think that... We've talked about this before on whether or not we think Nine Inch Nails is a political band, and I argued that they always have been. Yeah, I agree. Because with of that. Head Like a Hole and because of maybe of the sexual content. And obviously, I mean, the downward spiral has a lot of uh, political points in it, but they've never been maybe super pointed. And Head Like a Hole is a very vague, making a very vague point, money bad. And this one is maybe more specific mm-hmm. at a certain person or. American political dynasty. They've been a little more specific with their the jabs, like maybe you could argue big men with a gun 
something like that, but star fuckers. That's more, pers- that's personal. more personal. That's personal. Okay. It's not really political. Although sometimes the personal is political. That, Wait. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. So uh, first I'm going to play a little clip uh, from Reznor and he's going to talk about the inspiration behind this song. <laughs> and then I'll read you a little bit um, okay. from an article I found. So first, the video. <laughs> so this is from the MTV video. I found quite a bit from this that I have used in uh, the intro to. This is a good interview. It's like 20 okay. minutes long. It's good. Let's talk about the hand that feeds. It's doing, it's doing really well. I mean, it's, it seems to be on the radio every time we turn it on. Uh, <laughs> See? Tell me maybe a little bit about the track, uh, sort of the history of it, I guess. Um, hand that feeds was a catchy song right off the bat, you know, and, and I allowed myself, I was so kind of irritated and fed up with the political situation in this country that it slipped into the lyrics and I couldn't stop it from happening. All with the kind of, well, I don't know if I'll include it or not. And that's kind of my safety blanket. If I'm writing something and I'm unsure, well, it's up to me if I'm going to include it. And I'll just roll with this for now and see what happens. And I can always throw it out or hide it somewhere. And it just turned out as something I felt good about. You know, I didn't feel it was too heavy-handed in terms of what lyrical content. And um, I don't feel like the last couple records really had many songs, if any, that announced themselves the first time you played it as a as an something you can latch on to and the response has been great and unexpected and kind of uh, just rolling with it right now but notice because this is mtv he didn't get into the political what's it about though okay so i'm gonna read you a little bit from an interview it's kind of lengthy I like that track a lot. The Fragile didn't have any songs like that, songs that kind of announced themselves right out of the speaker, something tangible that you can catch on to right away. But the price that those songs pay usually is they're the first ones that you get sick of. And so, as much as I like that song, I'm okay. I don't need to hear it for a while because I have spent time mixing and recording and teaching it to the band and shooting a video for it and some other things. But that song in particular, you know, as far as my own views on it, I've always tried to keep Nine Inch Nails pretty much about... I haven't set out to say Nine Inch Nails is lyrically going to be about a certain thing, but in general, a rule has been, Reznor rule, Reznor's rules. A rule has been, if I'm going to talk about something, it has to be real, and I have to feel it, and it has to be my own experience. Primarily, a lot of music has been about internal kind of politics and my relations or my feelings. With the hand that feeds, I couldn't ignore what was happening in America. And what's happening in America is having a lunatic run the country, (laughs) having the insane right-wing Christian idiots get involved, the genius job the Republicans have done of getting them, and big business all under the same umbrella, using fear and intimidation, and, you know, leading to what could be the end of the world, in my opinion, you know? (laughs) I wrote, Trent a doomer like me for real. (laughs) Did he write this yesterday? (laughs) He was talking about the... uh, 2004 election here and it was a heartbreaking day to see that you know the sliver of hope of revolution got crushed well i don't know if voting for john Kerry really would have been a revolution but (laughs) that's a low bar for revolution but okay (laughs) we rewarded this guy with four more years of what i feel personally is insane behavior and that kind of came out in that song it's probably the most blatant that the outside world has really come into the world of nine inch nails Mm, i don't know about that so that's kind of my thoughts on that I'm pleased it turned out to be a kind of sing-along pop song. So hopefully, through some imagery and whatever, it's a way to get a message out. 
I do feel vindicated. He called it a pop song. He called it a pop song. So no one is allowed to get mad if I do the same. I mean, it is kind of a sing-along yeah. pop song. Yeah, but you know what? So is Head song. Like a Hole. It's very catchy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you're probably going to argue with me on that, but. No, I'm not. I mean, to some extent, I, I see. There's a big similarity between those two songs for me. Not necessarily okay. in sounds, but. I think in the sing-along political punch of it, if that makes sense. I see a lot of his singles as quite poppy, structurally pop songs wearing the costume of industrial. He honed his skills in cover bands, you know? I mean, this is is why I I love the band. That's why a lot of us love the band. the structure. So what I'm wondering is, do we want to play that song? No. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, all right. This is over. Halo we'll 18. We got it. We'll see you for Halo 19. Bye. Actually, let's just skip to 20. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it is funny talking about the end. I mean, George Bush Jr.'s behavior was insane, but it's like, it's funny how bad we thought the political climate was then. <laughs> it's like, you haven't seen insane POTUS yet. <laughs> okay, so we're playing regular version. <laughs> Well, I'm playing the version from Halo 18, which is the regular version. It has a little bit of a longer intro because it's not leading out from a song. It's not coming from the collector. That's right. But other than that, it's it's like the album Basically a little buzzy a little bit longer. Okay, yeah. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Hear that disco beat right away. Catchy little dance number. I always like this groove. It's so upbeat too. You're keeping in step. I just gotta say, if you're working out, this is one of my favorite nine inch nail songs to like run yeah, to. The, the tempo is, is right for it. We have some of the most jangly hi hat you've ever heard in nine inch nails. Would you believe me if I told you there's zero tambourine in the song? For all the jangling. Not one tambo, Trent? Not one tambo. All created with hi-hat sample and drum machine. Not even real one. There's just, there's too much to say about it to really talk about it over the song. So most of what I want to say, I'll have to get done when we do the clips. So we're just kind of grooving. Jessica's just dancing. She refuses to participate in the podcast. Dancing in her seat. Yeah, this was always so catchy right off the bat. Very not like the fragile. I mean, just such straightforward rock riff, you know. I love that riff, though. So nice. I, I really like the synthesizers on the bridge, especially this part coming up. Love this synth solo here. 
such a fat analog modular whatever it is sound If, if Closer was like slowed down disco, this is like disco, but up the cocaine. Forget 50 cents disco inferno, it's right the, here. Stop dancing, please, for the love of God. <laughs> did you have any cocaine before the podcast? No, but we did come from an eight-year-old's birthday party. I had a lot of cake. People can literally hear it in your voice that you're moving around. <laughs> Sorry. It's just lack of professionalism. Love the screaming and the falsetto combo. Okay. All right. Is it time for Eclipse Corner? Shit, I think it is. It's all on you. Oh, I still need it like like a drop. Oh, no one's made me a Blake's Clips Corner drop, so I'm probably going to have to do it myself. Sometimes you just got to take matters into your own hands, Blake. Uh, that's what she said. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Now, I apologize. This may be the most clips I've ever had. Whoa. For but this song that is three minutes and 36 seconds long. There are many, so many layers to this song, first of all. And second, I only have clips for this. I don't have clips for the other, for the remixes. Because this is the one I have stems of. And I feel like I'm going to have more for this era. Because Fragile, I didn't, I couldn't do a lot other than the crummy AI separation. Mm-hmm. This, I have access to way more. It's like an embarrassment of stems and such and you also have the surround sound files but there's a lot there's more than 30 oh my god (laughs) okay we're only i mean we're just here it's a single halo we're not doing a whole album i we might as well take our time with this song here so you don't want to save any for for halo night okay we have enough songs to talk about when we get there okay so that's a cat that's not the stems that's oscar we have these ambient swells that start the song and that actually run throughout the entire song without stopping and start with staticky noise. I actually think that this may be mallet rolls on a big cymbal, mm. but distorted a bit I mean I've done that that's totally what it sounds like and of course we start out the intro is a filtered loop of kind of the main riff Mm -hmm. but synthified and heavily filtered I always loved it because it's. I love when there are songs that are like kind of muffled. Yeah, and then and the, then the sound comes. That's we call it a low pass filter, and then the filter is slowly rolled away. 
to open up the whole frequency spectrum, um, do we want to hear some Trent vocals? Yes. Not dirty and glitchy like a lot of our stuff on the Fragile, but in high-res glory. I'm just going to go through verse one and chorus one. Okay. Here we go. You're keeping in step in the line. Got your chin held high and you feel just fine. Cause you do what you told. But inside your heart it is black and it's hollow and it's cold. Just how deep do you believe? Will you bite that? hand that feeds will you chew until it bleeds can you get up off your knees are you brave enough to see do you want to change it nice not bad <laughs> so this was big on rock radio who was behind the that drum kit hitting the old skins well, in the video, it looked like it was Jerome <laughs> Dillon. It was Jerome in the video. On the record, the nobody, nobody, all fake. Oscar does not like that. Oscar hates fake drums. Mm -hmm. I love them. When you isolate the drums, you becomes more clear just how not real they are. The hi-hats are almost like 90s dance time, you know? Oh, and when you do just the hi-hat layer, it's, it's even more so. This is like, you know, stock drum machine stuff. That's on the verse. And then the hi-hat loop on the chorus is like this. The disco hat opening, closing. Um, the guitar actually doesn't come in until the chorus, but what we get in uh, the first verse is this super dirty bass. far as I can tell, this is a just 100% Trent Reznor performed song. It did say performance. Yeah. Trent and Reznor, I mean, it so. just sounds that way too. Uh, the guitar on the chorus. course this extra layer of percussion is added that i never heard before isolating it and it's just like what the hell this was there the whole time
bonkers. Yeah, this sounds like pretty hate machine era stuff to me. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of people compare it to that album, so. This song? Well, not this song, but just this whole album too, Pretty Hate Machine. It's not, but also in some ways it is. It's weird. Throughout the song, there are just these Tom hits randomly. It's weird. The Tom sounds like that. It's just a sampled Tom. And then in the chorus, we have more Toms. Uh, I put them in context so it makes more sense, but I, I brought them out. I didn't know they were there, though. Maybe it makes the drum beat seem a little more real. Of course, the the big guitar riff uh, happens in the chorus. And that continues through verse two to make that to make it bigger. Also in verse two, something really cool happens with the percussion that I, I always loved. You can kind of just barely make it out in the in the full mix, but um, it's really cool by itself too. Here it is in some context though. Sonar or something. Yeah, in the right ear, it's like some really squirty, farty synth mm-hmm. percussion. In the left ear, it's submarine sounds. <laughs> uh, and but just by itself. Then the drums change up completely for the bridge. The disco is broken up a little bit. halfway through there that really kind of lo-fi uh synth percussion thing comes in this is what it sounds like by itself you ever think it sounds like a gun a little bit. Like a... Machine gun fire in the distance. Something. And we're talking about, you know, an insane oh. president who... And, and war. Yeah. We're talking about war. Mm-hmm. Kind of, sure. Uh, very prominent in certain remixes, the first synth part we hear on the bridge.
how it goes a little haywire at the end. Um, the the kind of quieter, low vocals in the bridge. So naive, I keep holding on to what I want to believe. I can see, but I keep holding on and on and on and on. This delay here. That's good. Uh, my favorite synth in the song. If you notice that little, the weird Pretty Hate Machine percussion is included in that stem. And during that, there's this guitar part that I didn't know existed until I was going through the surround sound version. But tell me if you ever heard this before. Not this, but it's coming up. That, and I isolated it here. I think I noticed it when we listened to the surround sound surround sound version because I was surprised by some of the things I heard when we were listening to that. I really, yeah, me too. But I really like it. I wasn't listening closely enough, clearly, but it's a cool little addition. Um, the drums at the end go a little harder. They build even more halfway through here. Uh, I thought the vocals at the end were worth playing in their entirety just because of the screamy performance. Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Sorry, that's a lot. But <laughs> I can't believe how close to the mic he usually is. 
every breath and every p- 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 is in there. <laughs> it really is, but you don't you you, you notice it sometimes, right. but most of the time you don't. You don't in the, in the full mix. The mm-hmm. sound, the song sounds so polished and nice, and that's usually the case with most of his stuff up to this point. But but he's, I mean, like some of the stuff on Downward Spiral, like March of the Pigs, sounded like it was handheld SM58, no pop screen. But we didn't know. Um, I did cut out a part where his voice cracks. Where you stay? Where you stay? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like, oh, he's human. He's really given it his best shot. And, you know, he decided to keep that in. It's not an accident. Um, this part. Where you bite? I don't know how much I want to get into it now. Maybe I'll get into it more later. But I thought this could be an example of vocal tuning versus not tuning the vocal. But this is what I think the non-tuned version of this line is. Where you bite? A little more human. Where you bite? And possibly tuned with a plug-in like Melodyne. Where you bite? Where you bite? Where you bite? I don't know. I've been listening to these clips so much over and over that I might be driving myself a little crazy. Where you bite? Versus, where you bite? I don't know. He, he, he can be super duper accurate naturally too, but it's not crazy to suggest uh, the plugin Melodyne was used for vocal tuning because um, Reznor himself does talk about that in an interview, but we'll get to that later. Um, the backing vocals that we're, we're getting that we're almost, we're almost done. The backing vocals at the end, I've always loved. Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Like that combination of falsetto and low whispery. Okay, I'll go through some ants. A lot of stuff, a lot of layers are happening at the end, so I'm going to go through them more quickly here. Will you bite the hand that fe- Oh yeah, there's this like drone noise almost kind of like white noise at the end that i didn't really realize was there here i put it in the context of the song may surprise you jess she's making a face And since you probably wanted to hear it just by itself, some nice white noise. A little, a little uglier, but still kind of cool. Sound the alarms. I should start using that for my alarm to wake me up in the morning. <laughs> we should. <laughs> oh. Possibly the the sounds of war. It just, it just goes so haywire so at the end. 
Um, the bass goes a little harder at the very end. Just gets dirtier, maybe I should say. There's a a what I call the loopy synth. I knew that was there. You can hear it pretty prominently on mm-hmm. the the very end of the song when it cuts out. You hear it delay out. I didn't even know this synth was there whatsoever, though. Just a single note with a lot of delay. Then the biggest guitar in the song comes in at the end as well. Oh, okay. It's the it's the main riff, but it's played like more legato, I think is the right term. You mean smooth and together? Yeah, less mm-hmm. like less uh, space in between notes. I think that's what legato means, it right? Does. Right, music nerds. It's like the opposite of staccato, if you want to know. Okay. Wow. Did, have Have you been <laughs> reading about this or? I'm really smart, Blake. Okay. <laughs> How dare you? I don't know. You've always, you always say you don't know music theory. I know something. These are like Italian terms from sheet music. I was in band briefly. Okay. Well, fair enough. The final, my final clip. It's the main riff of the song, but done with a synthesizer. Was that fun? That was a lot of fun. Can we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about the remixes. Yay! Wow, Blake. Thank you so much for those Hmm? clips. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) It's time for the remix. Remix! Insert Missy Elliott. Mm -hmm. Remix! Can I tell you something? What? Look at how I wrote remix on my notes. <laughs> remix with a million X's. Nice. Is that what you were thinking? It was exactly what I was thinking. I'm going to put that in. Okay. Sounds good. So first, let's talk about Fotec, who I believe we've talked about before, but maybe we forgore because... Oh, boy. Maybe we forgot because we... I don't know. I feel like we talk about so many different DJs and stuff on here. Um, it's easy to I forgot them. about... I forgot about Fotech, just like I forgot about Dre. You did forget about Dre, and it's sad. I could never. <laughs> so we talked about him probably when we talked about I'm Afraid of Americans, the oh, did CD we? single. Because mm-hmm. I was sitting here, and I was like, I swear we've talked about Fotech before. And I couldn't think of why. <laughs> and then I was looking at his work, and I was like, oh, well, duh, Jessica, that's why. Was that a bonus episode, though? Was that one of our Trent Reznor and Bowie bonus Yeah, because it wasn't a Halo. That's right. Did Fotech do one of the remixes on the I'm Afraid of Americans I think it was one of the few that was not Reznor. Oh, right, right, right. right. Okay, here. Let's see if this sounds familiar. John is in America. No. Oh, okay, yes, vaguely. (laughs) No one needs anyone. Yeah, it's version five, which is the Fotech version. 
right. I just wanted to try to refresh your memory. Okay. Uh, memory refreshed. All right, cool. We did talk about him briefly. Real name is Rupert Parks. Um, he's British, but is now based in LA. By the way, uh, I was reading through like his wiki. According to the wiki, his first instrument was a tenor saxophone. <gasps> Just what? like what? You know who? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go through super detailed information about him, but I do just want to point out a couple other remixes he did. Um, one is of one of my favorite Bjork songs. Oh. I miss you, but I haven't met you yet. You felt gorgeous, but I haven't met you yet. So special, but it hasn't happened yet. I remember, but it hasn't happened yet. Anyway. What is that song? That's I Miss You. Oh. It's on Post, which is probably my favorite. It was like my first Bjork album, so it's probably my favorite, honestly. I was and, waiting for that beat to drop. <laughs> sorry. He did. I didn't realize this until the other day when I was researching, but he also did a remix of an artist that we love. One of, um, I especially love her. Actually, you introduced me to her a long, 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 long time ago. Um, But this was when she was in a band and not yet a solo artist. I guess a duo, not really a band. Uh, Very indie sleazy. Greatest artist I ever introduced you to. (laughs) Maybe. But uh, yeah, so he did a remix of a really great song by chairlift this is i belong in your arms mm-hmm. right yeah i love this song one of our greatest singers on this planet, probably. I think so. One of the best vocalists. Caroline Polachek. Okay. It's a good beat. Great beat. He did a few remixes of The Hand That Feeds. So we'll start out, we'll just go in order on, uh, I guess, the nine inch. Um, mm-hmm. So the first one would be the straight... Whoops. Oh, yeah. Loving it. <laughs> uh, he really reworked the hand mm-hmm. feeds. He made it sound like chairlift. <laughs> and chairlift didn't even exist yet. So weird. So this is the straight mix. Starts with the, uh, the bridge synth and the, and the disco beat there. And I think we alluded to it, but I think the Fotec remixes are actually my favorite. Yeah, I prefer them to the DFA, I think. Gun to my head. Why do you think this is called the straight mix? Not sure. Why do you think it is? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it was named after the dub mix, and they were like, well, it's not a dub. pretty straightforward it's kind of, it's it is straight it's mix. straightforward the beat is pretty straight yeah how long is this one again 
Uh, this one is a very short seven minutes and oh, 44 God. seconds. Well, that's nothing compared to the DFA mixes. We get some of the, the same note being held uh, for long periods of time type of thing. Although that's way more exaggerated on the dub mix. Imagine getting down to this song this like I am right now. This is kind of like the the club dance mix version of The Hand That Beats. Kind of like we heard with Pretty Hate Machine remixes. Mm-hmm. They were just elongated, slightly dancier versions of the songs for club play. Mm-hmm. Almost as if they were made for, you know, a 12-inch You're at the club. club You're listening to The Candy Shop by 50 Cent. You're Suddenly this to comes Disco on. Inferno by 50 Cent. And then this drops. And what then Usher comes on. I start breakdancing. <laughs> If you needed your drums on the hand that beats to be even even more of a dance beat. If you heard the hand that beats, but you're like, there's just not enough four on the floor. And this re- remix is for you. If I recall, it, it kind of goes through the regular song, but then extends it extends the outro for several minutes and perhaps that's why it's called the straight <laughs> yeah I guess so you could almost mistake this for the well, that's a bit different it's way more whispered that bass note though see what he did there. Twirl my glow sticks at this point. <laughs> my pacifiers around my neck are just swinging. <laughs> did you ever have a pacifier necklace for No, I can't say I did. I did. You did? Yeah, they came out of like a candy machine or something <laughs> at like a grocery store. <laughs> Okay, of course. <laughs> it's like a plastic pacifier. Will you bite the hand that feeds you? I think I dropped out to a low pass filter here. Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you stay down on your knees? Will you bite That's kind of cool. wasn't on our nine inch was it our nine inch just has the dub on the b side and the a side is just yes the dub mix is the b side on the version kind of a bummer the seven inch we have has the dub yeah when we listened to it blake was like you know what i don't like quite as much i don't think i like dub I've never heard 
I don't think I've ever heard one dub remix where I was like, yeah, that was that was better and that was worthwhile. <laughs> Glad I spent seven minutes and 52 seconds of my life listening to that. That's how long the dub mix is, sorry, of this. And I, I know we're not even listening to the dub yet, but I think dub is more entertainment for the creator. I think this is always what it was, more entertainment for the creator than it is for the listener, because it is just fucking around with whatever studio effects you happen to have at your disposable. Maybe you're just not disposable. doing the right drugs, though, either. Yeah, I'm not eating the right mushrooms. <laughs> Putting the right tabs under my tongue. What do they do? What do ravers do? Uh, ecstasy. No, yeah, 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 yeah. I could play this on bass because it's just one note. <laughs> I can play this on my clarinet. If I still have Which my part? clarinet. This part. It'd be weird sounding, though, because yeah, it's a Yeah, it wouldn't clarinet. sound like a bass. Mm-mm. Clarinets are weird instruments. Yeah. Too many holes on it. <laughs> there are a lot of holes. Don't like You're it. right. And there's a hole in the back, too. That's just like a... Never mind. What, what Blake? What were you going to say? Uh... Uh-huh. Never mind. Okay, so here's that extended outro. I thought we were already in the extended we outro. We are. I'm just waiting for it to finish because we got another 30 seconds of it. It's kind of fading out to a drum beat. I'm probably going to change my mind and be like, eh, I think I like the DFA versions better. I can never make up my mind, honestly, when I'm listening I can't to remixes. Either. My opinions change a lot. But here's the thing, though. I'm not a big remix person. So I'll listen to the remix maybe a couple times. It depends on I, the remix, though, I am too, if honestly. It's, if it's things falling apart, I'm that's a, true. I am that's a remix true. person. I guess it's dance remixes Slipping that away. I'm not like, Yeah, I, I like into. the more reimaginings. Now, sometimes I like a dance remix, but not always. Yeah. Okay, so here's Dub. You ready? Yeah. So Dub is kind of like we took the intro and the outro of the one we just heard and make that the whole thing, except it's, what, nine minutes long? How long is this? Uh, seven minutes and 52 seconds. Okay. What's funny is I, on my Spotify, which is what I'm playing this from, I have a heart next to the straight mix and nothing by, sorry, dub mix. It's kind of like straight mix, but without the song part. I think you'll hear a little bit of Trent's vocals and that's it. Yeah, a, like a shadow of it. We don't necessarily have to go through all... We, plus we won't. We'll just listen to a little bit of it, and then we'll move on to Rough Mix. Yeah, but this gives you an idea of it's a lot of this for the entirety. Honestly, and if if you're on the right drug, though, this would probably sound amazing. And honest, it would feel amazing, and, and that's what matters. And if you literally if on only want to hear one bass note for seven and a half minutes. Which really uh, is a lot of fun. If you're... <laughs> I wouldn't know. I'm a good boy. <laughs> I was a young baddie. Briefly. Must have been. A couple times. Before she met me and I turned her good. (laughs) There's 
narrative. Yeah. I hear faint Some vocals. Whispers. Yeah. Here we go. I'm, I skipped forward a little okay. bit. Sorry. <laughs> you can hardly tell. <laughs> Okay, I think this is maybe my least favorite out of all the remixes, honestly. In like minute 11 of DFA, I get pretty tired of it, so. That's true, too. I mean, in the right mood and headspace, Mm -hmm. drugs, whatever, this would be fine. Honestly, if you're working and listening to this, it's kind of nice too, because it's just kind of mm. not distracting. Yeah, I can't. So have, you can just I can't have lyric stuff when I'm. I listened to this working. a lot when I was working the other day, actually, yeah, when okay. I was doing a lot of editing. And I was like, "Oh, this is nice." Yeah. Repetitive. Yep. Okay, we're getting towards the end. brain all right so let's do rough mix this one is short have you listened to this one? i don't know that i have heard okay. this one so this, this is may be new to me yeah this is short how long oh wait hold on it's three minutes and 59 seconds i'm whispering i don't this. know why you whispered oscars i don't okay. want to get him excited he's being quiet <laughs> okay i don't think anything we can do will will change him so comparable to Original and the feeds length. Oh, that's different. I do like this version. Yeah, that's not what I was expecting. Oh, how did I not listen to this? This is totally different. Mm-hmm. I think I like this way more than any of the others. this not on the nine inch i know stupid old dub is a <laughs> lot more inventive the beat is completely different and half timed so it's the only one of these without the repetitive uh disco beat Almost a little new medley or something. <laughs> I mean, like, is that a, a new guitar part? I think I'm hearing guitar parts that aren't from the original song. It's kind of like a not atonal, but. Not as melodic 
<laughs> as the catchy original. Yeah. It's kind of all over the place. I'll and... play you a little snippet of something that um, is how I know Fotech. And I, I'm pretty sure I played it on the, the Bowie bonus up as well. Oh, okay. Um, I've already forgotten. Possibly. Yeah, this is almost kind of dis- discordant a little bit, maybe, but still cool. You know what's wild is that they could, you know, so many different producers or remixers or whoever could have had a shot at this. But he just let two artists take several shots each. I mean, pretty hate machine era, right? Yeah. Kinda. And obviously he doesn't just want to bring in every hot name from the day. Could have brought in Timbaland. Yeah. Should have. Okay, okay, that was cool. So what I wanted to play was this track, and it was on... Uh, remember I always talked about the AMP compilation uh, yeah. <laughs> that I had as a kid that had like a bunch of electronic Your favorite music CD. on it? yeah. It was... I wasn't a kid, I guess as a teenager. But yeah, uh, this song was on it. And this is actually the first introduction I had to Fotech. Okay. A refresher since I don't remember when you played it the first time. Mm-hmm. It's pretty down tempo here. Just give it a second. don't remember this. Oh, you don't? No. Anyway. Oh. Oh, now we got the uh, break beats here. Mm-hmm. Very, uh... Square pusher. Drum and bassy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the roughness kind of reminded me of that a little. Yeah, this is not like what the hand that feeds mixes sound like. No, but this is kind of what Fotech was really known for in his work. Um, drum and bassy. Mm-hmm. It's very rhythm it really does remind me of Square Pusher, who I used to listen to. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, I'll stop it. I think that I always liked that one a lot. Anyway. Okay. Cool. Okay. Do you want to move on to the DFA remixes? Yes, please. So, Might as well get it over with. <laughs> you really hate DFA. No, I don't. I don't hate it at all. But once we play a few minutes of these, you'll get an idea of what the whole thing is. So first, let's talk about who the DFA are. It's a production team. It's a mm-hmm. duo. It's comprised of James Murphy. I wrote Mr. LCD Sound System in parentheses next to that. Mm-hmm. And Tim Goldsworthy, who is not the co-founder of Moax Records, which is written all over several different like Wikipedia what? articles. Um, but he is a British record producer and DJ. Mm. And they produced work for The Rapture, Cut Copy, mm. Uncle, etc. So the pair were a production team. 
but they met when they were working on David Holmes' record, Let's Get Killed. And after the record was completed, Goldsworthy stayed in New York City and started throwing parties with Murphy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they eventually started a record label called Death From Above Records, which was changed to DFA Records after 9-11 because you don't want to have, uh, in New York City, have a record mm-hmm. label called Death From Above also, the band Death from Above, say, 1979. They were around the same time, right? A little Was bit later, I think, maybe. Um, I think they had to add 1979 to their <laughs> Interesting. name. I think Murphy said it wasn't really him. It was their label that wanted it, not Murphy's label. It was were they also, Death from Above. Were they facing any heat post 9-11? They were a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> and also, I don't think they're New York City-based. I don't know. I know nothing about Death I, from Above, yeah, 1979. Nor do I. I remember seeing records, but I don't Not I looking really it up. Them. And I think the first record that they might have released was Rapture's, uh, was it The House of Jealous Lovers? Was that the uh, one? That rings a bell. I remember mm-hmm. liking The Rapture. I never really did. The sort of dance rock. Yeah. I was, I was pretty into it for just a little bit. I think there was a hot minute maybe where I was briefly into some it of had, those groups. Had really cool but, production. You got to admit that. Yeah. I just never liked uh, the vocals, I think. Mm. Sorry. I wasn't trying to insult anybody. It just wasn't my thing. Yeah. So I think that's why I never got super into like the rapture or anything. But Murphy eventually started recording and producing solo albums as LCD sound system. He also co-produced my least favorite Arcade Fire album, Reflector, in 2013, (laughs) um, which is probably why I have a slight grudge against him. Although I did see LCD Sound System open for the Arcade Fire when they were on their Neon Bible tour, and it was really cool. They were great. Yeah. Um, But maybe that Reflector album gave me a little bit of a grudge against him. I don't know. Well, not everything he does is golden. (laughs) So also when I was researching, I read somewhere that Reflector cost $1.6 million to make, allegedly. What Why? the hell were they doing with that money? Uh, was there a symphony orchestra involved? I can't remember. Because that's what costs a lot of money on Daft. <laughs> <laughs> I really did not listen to that album enough because I never cared for it. Um, the uh, Daft, Daft Punk Random Access Memories had a, a budget like that. Yes. But they they did hire an orchestra. I don't think records get budgets like that anymore. No, hell no. But as a team, DFA, they have uh, produced and remixed records by uh, La Tigra, NERD, Gorillaz, The Chemical Brothers, MIA. They were even allegedly approached by Janet Jackson to collaborate. Interesting. I don't know if that's true or not, but that'd be cool. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Why didn't they? Maybe she didn't like it. I don't know. Maybe she clashed with Murphy. He doesn't seem like he's an easy person to get along with. Yeah, possibly. From uh, what I've read, there's a book called Meet Me in the Bathroom that chronicles the whole New York City music scene in the late 90s and early aughts that exploded. Now it's a movie. It is. It's a documentary and you can watch it. pretty entertaining. And actually, I kind of sympathize more with Murphy when I watched the documentary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. he came off as kind of difficult, but not as asshole-ish as he did in print, if you want to <laughs> know the truth. Anyway, the production duo did eventually end when Goldsworthy moved back to the UK. And there was also all kinds of lawsuits and stuff over money, blah, 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 oh, stuff great. like that. Um, I did like some of LCD Sound System's first two so records. So yeah, their first album, um, I did have that. I always liked... I remember um, Reznor recommending it. I don't remember that because I wasn't really paying attention, I think, but... 
I just like the cover, I think, a lot. The disco ball? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really simple, but it caught my eye. But I really liked Losing My Edge. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a funny song. Yeah. And I like Daft Punk is playing at my house. Mm-hmm. Didn't you have a band with a song called Daft Punk is playing at my house in my apartment or something? Yeah, that was close, but yeah. What was it? Daft Punk is playing at my house is playing at my apartment. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Stupid. No, it's that's funny. All of the titles were joke titles for that band. Yeah. I think that's a funny good, title. Good songs, though. Yeah. And I think Reznor even said that he liked to listen to the compilations that they had put out of like their remixes and stuff and production work. So let's go through some of these, right? Let's do it. Let's hit the highlights. All right. So the first one I'm going to play is just the DFA remix. It's not the hand that dubs. Sorry. It's the hand that feeds. The hand that dubs. (laughs) Okay. And you know I love dub, but no, this is not the dub, but it's similar. So this one, do you want to guess the length? 14 something? No, not this one. Oh, is it this the one that's like nine something? It's nine. Mm. Nine minutes. Still long. They're all long. All right. I kind of dig this. Well, this is super LCD mm-hmm. sound system me. Oh, yeah, it that definitely is. Bass tone. And playing style is very recognizable as Murphy. Unfortunately, those are the only notes we get for the entirety of this. Nine minutes and change. And likewise with the 14-minute version. does hand that feeds vocal come in or does it I think the uh, well we'll get there I'll, I'll give it until we oh there oh, okay this is the one where he fucks with it flip-flopped it he put the the syllables on the upbeats he put them on the downbeats kind of clever and for most of it it works kind of takes some of the groove away to put everything on the downbeat playing with expectation.
part throws me off. Where'd the beat go? I'm gonna say that maybe I know this is long, but I'll say that this yeah. and Rough Mix are my favorites. I might prefer Fotex straight mix to this, maybe. Straight mix would be close second. This is okay, I just don't want it for nine minutes. Necessarily, and it, it's, it's a strange choice to change the vocal rhythm. What do you think of this? The little. Ah, ah, ah. I'm not even sure what that is. <laughs> do you like it? Is it a vocal? I mean, I don't know. Sounds like it, but I'm not yeah, sure. It's, it's pretty. Yeah, I don't know. I could. It's almost subliminal. I could barely. Tell it was there. It's more prominent in the beginning. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I, I almost hear. I think I hear female vocal. It's almost in like there. a. Like who is that? I don't know. It's almost like a panty. So, kinda. Sounds like a lady. Who did that? There's some cool old school synthesizer sounds going on. I'll write James Murphy and Very, ask. Yeah. goes on get this for quite a while we get it <laughs> okay we get it we get it we get it so that was the dfa mix okay so this is the hand that dubs dfa version one it is 14 minutes and 11 seconds long are you ready for this no <laughs> okay it starts the same we won't do the whole thing. It's worth noting there's nothing from the hand that feeds in this. Is there? I listen 
recently, and I don't think there is. Don't quote me on that. I just want to say that, honestly, when you listen to these remixes enough times, they all just kind of run together. They do kind of run together. I mean, yeah, there's so much just of the same. It, it makes oh, me long good. for... good. The panting ladies are back. I like Oh, them. great. Makes me long for things falling apart. <laughs> but, yeah, like a really elongated version of what we just heard, but without any Nine Inch Nails in it. But hey, it's just a dub. It's like a panting in the left and a, a note in the right. Oh, now there's like a harmony in the center. It is kind of just sticking around. <laughs> Stuff does have a more acoustic drum sound. I guess that was kind of always his thing. So, hey, more live sounding drums than original hand the feats. I just like these. Yeah, I know. I just can't do 14 minutes. Do you want me to skip ahead a little bit? Yes. Okay. Skip ahead by like most of it. Here, I'll get to the middle. This is about, let's see, how long is this? 14? Here is 712. Same thing. We have some drum soloing going on, but. Is that a cowbell there? Was that cowbell there before? He likes the cowbell. He does love the cowbell. But, you know, the panting woman in real life. Who could could keep that up? So extended drum solo. <laughs> uh, I like that. Honey. I mean, breaks up the monotony a little. Still, n- nothing to do with the original. It's a reimagining. Well, no, I don't even think it's a reimagining. It's a <laughs> it's a reimagining of his remix. Minus the Reznor vocals. <laughs> Basically. What the hell's yeah. that? What was that? Me to go back a little bit for you? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Saying like, are you brave? A little, I, I would, I'd like to know who's singing, but like a little bit of the Reznor lyric, but just three words of it. It's kind of weird. You made it okay. after I got through most of it for you. Whew. So there's also a dub instrumental that I can't find anywhere to play for you guys. Sorry. <laughs> Do we have a way to rip it off our vinyl? Um, technically, yes. But will I do it? Technically, no. <laughs> the one that we don't have access to, period, is mm-hmm. DFA Hand the Dubs version two that allegedly exists somewhere. 
the DFA needs to name their remixes better because that's awful. Yeah, let's give some more clear names. So, those are the remixes. Maybe one day I'll convince Blake to rip the instrumental and we can talk about it. <laughs> and we'll find, if anyone has the version two, though, I would like to hear it. A friend was trying to get it for us, but... Uh... I'll believe it exists when someone puts it in my <laughs> inbox. Until then, I don't know about that. <laughs> so if anyone has that, and I'll see if I can get Blake to... Uh, and I don't want to hear, oh, I heard it. Oh, I know someone who has it. Okay. That's not... That doesn't cut it. That doesn't cut the cheese. Where's the beef? Doesn't cut the custard. As they say. Okay. So, uh, just to let y'all know, The Hand That Feeds was featured in Rock Band. Guitar Hero, Warriors of Rock, Rock Band 4. So a lot of younger listeners mm -hmm. might have come across the hand that feeds while playing their video games. <laughs> I remember playing it on Rock Band. Also, Midnight Club 3. What's Midnight I Club? I believe that's a racing game. Ah, sounds like it would be like a... Probably had like a billion... Fast and Furious type... Songs in it. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Okay. Um, it was also used in the trailer for Red Riding Hood. What? I don't know. The I hell's a red... Red writing? <laughs> Wasn't it like, there like a like all these bite? like maybe? Weren't there like all these like dark fairy tale remakes yeah, for a while? Like that, that was a trendy that thing. That kind of never stopped happening. Mm, I feel like it was really popular around like in the aughts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was used in TV spots for Underworld Evolution and Running Scared. Oh, of course it was. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the MTV Movie Awards controversy. Let's. Very quickly. Yeah. Um, Nine Inch Nails were actually due to play at the 2005 MTV Movie Awards. I looked it up. That Crazy. would have been hosted by Jimmy Fallon. Oh, who, my God. <laughs> that's hilarious. He would um, have giggled too much to announce them. <laughs> you think? I don't know. They probably would yeah. have had someone else announce them. Usually what they Johnny do Depp. at MTV Awards is they have like the main host come out, and they'll announce someone, and that person will come out, yeah, and I then know, they'll I announce know. them. Ladies and gentlemen, really Johnny annoying. Depp, he's yeah. got a whole speech prepared oh he won't read it why the movie awards they probably did the music because be it, the movie awards are earlier in the summer and so it was probably closer to when that song was released and was uh like a, a hit you know I what know. i mean I'm just, does so it, the vmas would have been in the fall usually those are like september it doesn't have to have anything to do with movies <laughs> no they would just have like whatever hot singles uh, and artists okay. play um, that way they have something to do with music. You Would know? have been strange. Okay, but what happened? So, Nine Inch Nails dropped out. There were conflicts between Reznor and MTV. And remember, I played that clip earlier of Reznor on MTV, and he talked around like any kind of political mm. uh, content. Or they cut it out. I, I couldn't really tell and you. He was always shit-talking them. Yeah. So why? Reznor had a plan to incorporate an image of George Bush, <laughs> who was the incumbent president, in the nice. performance on May 26th on NineInchNails.com, Reznor made an announcement. He said, Nine Inch Nails will not be performing at the MTV Movie Awards as previously announced. We were set to perform The Hand That Feeds with an unmolested, straightforward image of George W. Bush as the backdrop. Apparently, an image of the president is as offensive to MTV as it is to me. See you on tour this fall when we return to play in America. Which, I think that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what? How? Uh, how? Do, how do I put this? I how, guess how pussy was MTV <laughs> that Honest. you cannot have a picture of of our 
put respect on our president's name. Who the hell knows who owned them at that time? Um, it, they could have been. Does, did Fox eventually buy MTV and buy like the the company? Viacom? I know owned MTV, but did were they eventually Fox, bought by Fox? Dude, I feel I like Fox owned everything. Can't keep track of all the mergers. Exactly. So it could have been something like that. Like maybe the parent company of MTV uh, did not approve. Um, but yes, MTV were being stupid. And honestly, I would have just pulled a Rage Against the Machine mm-hmm. and gone out there and uh, done but, it any fucking way. Right. So whatever. It, was, it would probably be hard to get away with that on MTV uh, Movie Awards than it was on SNL. <laughs> so Yeah. I think they ended up incorporating that image into their live their show. Their performance, yeah. yeah. Um, so MTV released a statement the following day. While we respect Nine Inch Nails' point of view, we were uncomfortable with their performance being built around a partisan political statement. Kiss my ass. (laughs) It's so so tepid, really. Yeah. Uh, When we discussed our discomfort with the band, their choice was to unfortunately pull out of the movie awards. So, who replaced Nine Inch Nails that year? None other than 50 Cent featuring (laughs) the game. Actually, it was the game featuring 50 Cent. Oh, right, right, right. No, it was the Foo Fighters. Oh my. Who replaced Nine Inch Nails that year, which is kind of, um, it's not interesting. It's kind of. It uh, is interesting because of the whole Grohl thing. Well, I mean, there's that. But also in 2022, the Boston Calling Festival, Nine Inch Nails replaced Foo Fighters right. as a headliner for one of the dates after the um, death of Taylor Hawkins. So they're just trading off uh, after how many years? Uh Repaying the favor, I guess. 17, I guess. 17 years. So there you go. That's the hand that feeds. Um, As I was recording, we got a message from the Nintern about some uh, information that he wanted to share. And I kind of glanced at it very quickly. And it's kind of funny. We'll go over it whenever we do, when we get to Halo 19 and we talk about the hand that feeds again. Gotcha. We'll add any more information. We'll circle uh, back. Yeah. We'll circle back and add any more information, but it's kind of funny because I made a joke about this, not knowing this information and it's, it's in the notes. I'm not going to tell you. Okay. That's, I'll tell you after. That's your your cliffhanger for next time to keep you on the hook there. (laughs) That's right. Uh, I'll tell you whenever we get off though. Wait. Intern, you're a little bit tardy. All right. (laughs) You're, this assignment is a little bit last minute. Look, Nintern knows we're going to come back in. to it. Now, so. I know we don't pay you, <laughs> but we still expect you to be timely for uh, your uh, volunteer position. <laughs> Look, Nintern knew we were going to come back to it, so it's fine. He knew we hadn't gotten to Halo 19 yet. Don't at me. He is paid in experience, <laughs> and he can put that on a resume, you know. An intern for Nailed Pod, so that a future employer will say, "What the fuck is a Nailed Pod? <laughs> uh, what the fuck is an intern?" This is not, this is not a real qualification. Are you a serious candidate? Stuff like that. Get the hell out of here. Get you, out of my office, you millennials. Thank you, an intern, for even talking to us. I exactly. Guess. Seriously, lots of love to you. Okay. <laughs> All the love in the world. That sounds sarcastic. <laughs> okay. It's not. Are fun. we done? I think we're done. Do we have any new patrons we want to thank? I want to thank patron Chad, who is very important, and I forgot to thank Chad last time. Um, And that's Patreon app's fault. (laughs) Thank you, Chad. But definitely don't want to miss Chad. And let me check this real quick. Uh, George. Thank you, George. 
That's it. Thank you, Chad and George. George and Chad. Mm-hmm. We appreciate Anyone it. Anyone else that I missed, you can you can hit me up. Feel free to email us or uh, DM on Instagram. There is one more thing I, I want to say. Jessica's covers uh, Corner. Did we have a name for Jessica's Covers Corner? Blake's Clips Corner, Jessica Covers Corner. Okay. Whatever. There's too many covers of this <laughs> to even talk about. So uh, this is just a reinterpretation of The Hand That Feeds. I'm going to gently, I'm going to play this gentle uh, song in the background. It's from Rockabye Baby, Lullaby Renditions of Nine Inch Nails, because I want my children to know. If I you, want Oscar to know. I want you to play we do, this to we your children. We play this as we rock Oscar to sleep. <laughs> If you play this, do you play the hand that feeds for your children as they try to sleep? I'm calling CPS. <laughs> He's kidding. Okay. Here we go. So as we are wrapping this up, this Blake, so are there any uh, announcements you want to make? Uh, announcements? I don't know. Do you have anything? Any? I don't think so. <laughs> Sorry, I'm. I was just really wrapped up in the uh, bells, okay. the xylophones <laughs> and such. So uh, again, thank you to Chad and George. What's our next bonus episode going to be about? Next bonus ep, I thought we would dive into the musical inspirations behind "With Teeth." Um, I feel like Reznor put a lot of emphasis on those in interviews and in uh, like the Nine Inch Nails access, where people were to ask him questions. Yeah. about what he's listening to but also I feel like once we dig into those influences we can really hear the um, impact they had on this record so I thought we would dig into those and share some snippets and do some comparisons and talk about them for our next bonus up cool and you can get that and more than 40 other bonus episodes and counting on the Patreon patreon.com slash nailed pod you also get access to our discord community and other benefits like merch discounts and free merch giveaways every month Um, all of our stuff is found at nailedpod.com sorry i'm just very soothed yeah it's kind of pretty kind of it's kind of nice First, I thought it was funny. Now, I think it's kind of nice. On the main feed, join us next time for Halo 19. We'll dive into the first, well, I mean, how we normally do this. But can you explain how we normally do it for these episodes? When we do a whole LP. Mm-hmm. How do we do it? For With Teeth, we'll do it by each side of the vinyl in this case definitive edition two discs four sides right that's right so um halo 19 part one we're going to talk about the hand that feeds again oh the song's over (laughs) all the love in the world you know what you are the collector and then the hand that feeds so you'll finally get to hear what that little nintern bonus is that i made a joke about earlier not knowing it was real i'm on pins and needles mm-hmm. side b and d will be nice though those are only three songs oh that's cool mm-hmm. and yes we're, 
home will be included. That's Actually, right. Actually, I guess that was always on the vinyl. Huh? It was. Mm-hmm. Vinyl exclusive track here on the podcast. Okay. So okay. See you next time for Halo 19 part one. With underscore teeth. Didn't that make you feel better? Uh oh, real quick. We forgot. Uh, and this isn't the first time. <laughs> we forgot to give an inch rating. Again, sorry. So, cutting in here real quick. Eek. What are we going to rate this in inches out of nine? Uh, do you know what you're going to rate it? I think so, but I'll, based on yours. No, I'm not going to change it based on yours, but I might feel weird about it. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to give it like a. Oscar Hush. Like a 5.5. Ooh, nah, I don't like the halves. But oh, no, shit. You, no, hold on. You can have halves. I don't like doing it. I don't know. It's just not my favorite. It's lower than I thought. Oh, really? What are what is yours higher than mine? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I it's obviously I don't have anything like I don't have anything against the, the main song. song. Yeah, neither do I. I just I'm kind of frustrated by all the complications of the Halo. Uh, releasing it on so many different formats, the naming of the remixes by the DFA, that's annoying. What do you think about the quality of the remixes themselves? Um, I mean, they're good. I, I kind of wish it had been more artists playing with it. I like parts of the DFA remixes, but as a whole, I, I just, I'm not a big dance remix person for the most part. Yeah, these are very dance. Yeah, and some sometimes I like them and... I don't know. It's just I'm not a big dance remix person, so I kind of wish it had been more of a reinterpretation type thing. Yeah, uh, I was I was wanting things falling apart style. Yeah, I kind of missed the halos where he'd toss it like a cover, you know, kind of like on Sin when we got Get Down Make Love, but instead we get just these dance remixes. So it's kind of like, eh. I gave it a seven inches. Oh God, mine is way lower. But I mean. To me, seven is still a little bit subpar. I Out mean, of nine, it, though, that's pretty yeah. high. Uh, but yeah, but my scale is doesn't make any sense. Like I gave, what did I give the fragile? Like thirty-seven. Yeah. Like obviously these scales are absurd, but the reason it loses a few points, uh, I do really like the hand that feeds. But it's not my favorite Nin song by any stretch, and these remixes, I think, uh, are just sort of lukewarm <laughs> also it is I, I don't mind that there's a ton of I shouldn't hold it against it that there's a ton of uh, versions of this and it's confusing and they're hard to find but that that doesn't help but I really liked getting into the layers of this song so I mean I used to I used to think it was like too polished of a song when you really dig into it the pieces on their own don't seem that polished especially the the vocal mm-hmm uh, which seems a little bit raw, but it's the some other parts thing again with Nin. It uh, becomes a lot more, um, and I like it, but not my fave. Seven inches. 5.5. I'm going to stand yeah, by it. You should. Stick with your uh, gut. <laughs> okay. It's been long enough. Bye, everyone. Bye. Sorry. Thanks. Thanks.